So here we are, Sunday morning. It's been, like I said earlier, it's been an interesting week. And of course, to top it all off, we get a snow delay for church, uh, which is great. That's fun. Um, It wasn't fun after the hour of shoveling snow this morning. I was ready for a shower and to come in and it was good to finally get here, and it's good to be worshiping with you this morning. This week, uh, I spent a lot of extra time praying and thinking this week, um, after Monday uh, and David's resignation. Uh, And of course, in the middle of everything, in the middle of conversations and Um, just meeting and and praying and and thinking. Of course, there's a sermon to get ready about Chronicles. Now, let me tell you something about this series in Chronicles. It was originally on my schedule to do last fall. Um, And I thought for time issues, it didn't seem to really fit into the schedule. It didn't seem to quite go there, there was just something that said, move this. And I thought, well, the beginning of 2019, that would be a great place for us to begin something new, to start studying scripture together. It'll be kind of a New Year's resolution type thing. And so for logistical reasons, at least that's what I thought, we moved it. And this week, as I'm working through praying through, thinking through everything that's going on, I'm asking God, God, what do you want me to say? God, what do you want me to do? I felt at a number of points this week, God saying, go back to the text. I was like, you mean Chronicles? Yeah, Chronicles. You mean like the nine chapters of genealogy and the stories about David and this weird story about this guy named Uzzah? I felt like God was saying, well, we're through those nine chapters of genealogy. Don't just focus on David, and we'll talk about this Uzzah guy later. But last week, I said Chronicles is basically about three things. Worship, faithfulness, and seeking God. Worship, faithfulness, and seeking God. I thought, oh, worship, faithfulness, and seeking God. Sometimes, you know, even in the middle of hard situations, And I don't believe God causes bad things to happen. But even in the middle of the mess, even in the middle of this week, I felt like God was saying, I have a plan. I have a way out. And Adam, you thought you moved this for logistical reasons, but I'm telling you there's something else here. Worship, faithfulness, and seeking God. 
And as I thought about those words this week and as I thought about this series this week, I took a whole lot of comfort in knowing that even in the middle of the mess, God is there with us and God is working through this with us. Worship, faithfulness, and seeking God. But now we've got this story that Brayton read for us this morning. The story of David wanting to bring the ark back to Jerusalem. Now the ark had not been in Jerusalem, and we learned from Samuel that at one point the Israelites had been conquered by the Philistines, and the Ark of the Covenant was, was ripped out, and all the articles were taken out of the tabernacle. And this story in First Chronicles 13, actually, um, we learn in chapter 10, there is King Saul, who we're most known with, uh, or associate with King Saul, kind of the story of David and Goliath, and, and Saul's not brave enough to face the giant, and David comes in, and David slays Goliath. And we learn in chapter 10 of 1 Chronicles that Saul and his army are surrounded, they're defeated, and Saul dies in battle, takes his own life. And the chronicler notes at the end of Saul's life, Saul died for his unfaithfulness. And as we read through Chronicles, you'll notice that the, the guy writing Chronicles often kind of summarizes and gives an evaluation of the kings. Either they were faithful and they're, they're buried with their ancestors or they're buried in the city of David, or they're unfaithful and they often get buried in who knows where without anybody grieving or without any pomp and circumstance or anything. And the chronicler says, Saul died for his unfaithfulness. And then in 1 Chronicles chapter 13, verse 3, David and the people say, Then let us bring again the ark of our God to us, for we did not turn to it in the days of Saul. It's further condemnation of Saul's leadership and his lack of faithfulness. And so the people go and they get the ark and they load it on a cart and there's dancing and there's singing and the, the band starts playing. And at some point the oxen, they bump the cart and the ark sways and Uzzah, Uzzah, however you say it, reaches out to stop the ark from falling. Apparently they didn't even bother to use tie-down straps. I'm sure Haldeman's, I'm sure you always use tie-down straps, have everything tied down tightly. They don't have the ark tied down tight. And as Uzzah reaches out to stop the ark, God comes out and strikes him dead because Uzzah is not a priest. And honestly, I read this scripture and I go, what is going on here? Does God really kill people for touching the ark? And I don't know, maybe Karen said, not as old as Pastor Adam, that's one of the first times I've been used to be an example of elderly age or something like that. <clears throat> so there was once this movie called Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones. You watched it last night. Oh, great. Thank you. Thank you, Luke. So I'm not that old. All right. 
And at the very end of the movie, there's this guy who opens up the ark, the, the Nazi uh, archaeologist. And because he is n- not really a priest and, and not treating the ark very uh, well, because he doesn't have that reverence, all these nasty things come out, which I'm not sure is really what God's divine wrath really looks like, but it's just an example of someone not treating the holy, not treating the divine with respect and reverence. And in Chronicles, that seems to be what's happening. That David and Uzzah, they just go and and put the ark on a cart, and they're not really treating God, treating the divine, treating worship with the respect and the reverence that it deserves. See, I don't think that if we come in to worship on a Sunday morning and something doesn't go exactly according to plan, that God is like, zap, bam. But I do think that when we come to worship, when we come into the presence of God, man, that's a great thing. That's, that's a, a, the Bible would say even a, a fearful thing, that we come with that respect and that reverence and that awe into the presence of God. There was a respect and a reverence and even a fear that David and Uzzah didn't seem to have. So why is worship so important. A few months ago, I talked about how worship is about sacrifice, about bringing ourselves before God and saying, here I am in, the, in all the mess that I am. How can you use me? How can I be a part of your plan? But you know, worship also forms us into the image of the one that we worship. And I talked about that a couple months ago. But here, as the chronicler is writing to people who are returning from exile, these people have been surrounded by people worshiping idols, surrounded by very different culture. And as they return to a newly rebuilt temple, they need a sense of identity. So the chronicler tells them to come and to worship. Enter again into the temple. Come and worship God and allow yourselves to be formed around the one that you come to worship. It was a new experience. It meant something for these people to return from exile, to enter into the temple once again, and to worship Yahweh in a new way. It's maybe not terribly different than the situation that we face in our culture, being surrounded by people that respect and and have reverence for and maybe even worship all kinds of different things, whether that's wealth or, or fame or youth, technology. And so once again, the people of God need to come and to worship and allow that worship to form us into the image of Christ. Allow our time of coming and worshiping together to form us more and more into the body of Christ. Two chapters later in chapter 15, David finally starts to get it right. In verse 2 it says, Then David commanded that no one but the Levites 
we're to carry the ark of God, not just throw it on a cart and hope it makes it there. For the Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of the Lord and to minister to him forever. So the Levites come. They approach the ark. They approach God with respect and awe. And then as they come to Jerusalem, the worship really takes off. The choir starts singing. The band is playing. Everyone is celebrating God's presence coming again back to Jerusalem. And listen to 1 Chronicles chapter 16. We read a little bit of this this morning. And thankfully, you guys got into it then. Started a little slow. It says this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call on His name. Make known His deeds among the peoples. Sing to Him. Sing praises to Him. Tell of all His wonderful works. Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. Remember the wonderful works He has done, His miracles and the judgments He utters. O offspring of His servant Israel, children of Jacob, His chosen ones, He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Remember His covenant forever. Excuse me. The word that He commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant He made with Abraham, His sworn promise to Isaac, which He confirmed to Jacob as a statute, to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying, To you I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. And now listen to this part. This is chapter 16, verse 19. When they were few in number, of little account, and strangers in the land, wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people, he allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked the kings on their account, saying, Do not touch my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. Imagine you are returning from exile. And you hear these words, that even while you were strangers in a land, even while you were wandering around from nation to nation, God was looking out for you. God had a plan for you. Do not touch my anointed ones. Do, no pro- do my prophets no harm. It goes on. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations. It goes on from there. Uh, Let me skip down to verse 35. It says, say also, save us, O God, of our salvation. And gather and rescue us from among the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Again, we hear about God's deliverance and his protection and his salvation. This was important as the kingdom of Israel under David emerged among other people in the promised land. And of course, this had great significance for those who were returning from exile. Maybe it also says something to us today. God's promise of salvation, of rescuing, says, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Then all the people said, and praised the Lord. 
But I want to go back for just a second to what happens to the ark between this first attempt to bring it to Jerusalem and then when David comes back. If, you're, if you have your Bibles, look at 1 Chronicles chapter 13. Verses 13 and 14 say this, So David did not take the ark into his care into the city of David. This is after God has struck Uzzah dead. Go figure, David doesn't really want to be touching the ark right now. And nobody else in Israel wants to be touching it either. He took it instead to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of God remained with the household of Obed-Edom in his house three months, and the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. Now here's where we might get a little bit lost in the 21st century. A Gittite is somebody from the city of Gath. Who else do you know from the city of Gath? The giants, Goliath, all right? This is somebody from Gath, from that city. And David leaves the ark there. And God blesses Obed-Edom. This stranger, this foreigner, this person who really shouldn't be in the care of the ark. But apparently Obed-Edom has enough reverence and respect for God that God blesses him, an outsider, somebody who shouldn't be in the genealogy that we read in the first nine chapters. But you know what? As we continue to read Chronicles, this name keeps coming up. In just a chapter or two, he's going to be listed as a gatekeeper, as a musician, celebrating God in the temple. His family has a place among the Levites. The guy from Gath, the Gittite, Obed-Edom, the outsider, has a place to come and to worship God. He approaches God with respect and reverence and awe. Steve Schweitzer is an Old Testament professor at Bethany. Actually, he wrote his doctoral dissertation on Chronicles. Uh, I was going to suggest we all go buy his book, but it's, it's out of print or quite costly to get now. But in his book, he points out that in Chronicles, intermarriage with other foreigners is often mentioned and without condemnation, which is a big deal for Chronicles to express that people are marrying people of other tribes, other places, other nations, and not expressly condemning them. So God welcomes anyone and everyone. But what is expected of these foreigners, these outsiders, is that they come and they give their faithfulness and their loyalty to Yahweh. God expects those who claim to follow Him to live faithfully. In the New Testament, Jesus says, don't just hear, but go and do. And the chronicler seems to be pointing forward. Everyone, anyone is welcome to come and to live faithfully. 
as we continue through Chronicles, we will keep hearing about worship. And this worship isn't for a select few. It's not just for the kings of Judah. It's not just for the the priests of Levite, the Levites. This worship is God wants to welcome everyone. The Gittites, the foreigner, the alien, the refugee, the immigrant, the black, the white, no matter what your background is, God welcomes you to come and to worship and to live faithfully. To be transformed by your worship experience, to be transformed more and more into the image of Christ. And so everyone from the outside is, is invited to come in and to know God and to be transformed by an encounter with Christ. As we continue this series, and as we continue our life and our walk together as the Spring Creek Church, I hope that worship, faithfulness, and seeking God continue to be at the center of who we are. That as the chronicler and God invite others in, the you and I might be inviting others in. And that as God calls the people in Chronicles to a life of faithfulness, that you and I might live lives of faithfulness as well. Amen.